Hello guys, welcome back. This is Ravi reading you some kind of happiness by Claire Legrand. Today I'm going to start the chapter 4. If you are looking for the chapter 3, it's in the segment before this. Some kind of happiness there is chapter 1, 2 and 3. If you have missed the chapter 3, you can go back, fast forward and from the specific point you can listen to the chapter 3. Uh I'm going to do the chapter 4 and I'm going to thank like as usual the Claire Legrand author for writing some writing this wonderful book. Okay, here it goes. I wake up sweating and pinned to my bed with terror. Once at home I woke up like this and ran cr- crying to my parents. I told them I felt like I was going to throw up that I heard terrible thoughts screaming in my head and couldn't make them stop. They brought me a glass of water and sat with me until I fell asleep. Nothing was wrong with me, they said. I had a nightmare. Sometimes bad dreams linger. I didn't believe them. I'd had nightmares before. This wasn't the same thing. I knew something must be wrong for me to feel like that. Something deep down where no one could see since Then I have never told my parents when I woke up sweating, feeling hot and sick and small. Instead, I write about the Everwood until nothing else matters. I never want to scare my parents again. I don't want them to look at me like I am broken in a way they don't know how to fix. We are already broken enough. It's the reason I'm here. Grey light seeps in through the long white curtains of my bedroom and i finally remember that i am not at home everyone has spent the night at hart house the twins made a tent on the porch my aunt and uncles and cousins all live nearby but apparently they do this a lot sleep over like a bunch of kids at a party before i can talk myself out of it I throw on some clothes and slip downstairs out through the glassed in sunroom attached to a kitchen. At first the backyard looks pretty typical. Thick green lawn. Swing set with two swings. Bushes overflowing with pink pink flowers. Wind chimes tinkling on the patio. There is no fence around the yard. Hard house is virtually in the middle of nowhere. A path of pebbles lead to a slope in the ground. I creep closer and see stone steps set into the dirt, leading down into a pit of leaves and grass. It is almost as if someone carved a pond into the earth, soaked it dry of water, and filled it with trees. There are so many of them that the air feels heavy and alive, like it's full of people. But I am the only one here. Beyond the pit there is a small river and beyond the river there are woods there is no fence to block my view nothing to separate my grandparents property from woods beyond wind blows past me pricking me with goosebumps the branches overhead knock against one another the leaves whisper and shiver and sigh something inside me unclenches i have read stories where the main character encounters a door a window a gate and on the other side lies a magical land where anything is possible if 
that is you dare to step through that is what i feel like right now ready to leave the world i know and enter another the trees tower over me i'm small but i am brave and my heart is everywhere inside me my fingers tingle now i take a deep breath and begin down the stone steps into this pit that is wonder another world a rope swing hangs from an impossibly tall tree i have never been so close to so many humongous trees they must be decade old maybe even centuries old like the everwood i sit on the high river bank and let my feet swing out over the water in my stories about the everwood i have imagined a vast and tangled forest a dense wave of dark trees i have imagined it to be dangerous inside a forbidding place where only the wild hearted live in my stories i have never visited it others have and i have collected their tales but clearly they were wrong i was wrong this is the everwood this towering green place full of sunlight and i belong here i forgot about wrong forks and hard house etiquette and my bedroom as white as clouds i smell dot decomposing logs river water beneath these trees i feel the same way i have always felt when up opening my notebook to a clean page as long as i am here i am safe that's it guys for the chapter 4 and in this section i'm going to start other portion that is i think extra like all of them are italic so let's go what's here i think it's uh, the thing that um, the gaul has written about the everhood okay once she had been wandering for months lost in an unfamiliar country sometimes her loneliness felt so overwhelming she found it difficult to continue her search for a family for a home but she always did she wanted to see the world and discover its secrets curiosity born inside her and kept her kept her strong one day a great forest came into view the orphan girl's heart stirred to see it i wouldn't go in there warned an old traveling musician playing his violin beside the path why not asked the girl, orphan girl too many questions he grumbled and not enough answers the orphan girl thanked him and confused south sorry and continued south down the forest road the next day she bought an apple from a farmer you're not going to the everwood are you asked the farmer of course i am the orphan girl replied the farmer shook her head then you are a fool people who go in there don't come out this did not particularly trouble the orphan girl for she had no one to leave behind i thank you for warning she said and continued down the road on the third day the orphan girl came to the forest as which sat high in the trees knitting dreams looking for something the witch asked peering down from the pits 
Adventure, the orphan girl answered promptly. The witch's smile was full of holes. Then you have come to the right place. The orphan girl felt a tiny fear, a thread of darkness hissed in the witch's voice. But a tiny fear was easy enough to push aside. The orphan girl was used to ignoring feelings that pained her, so she thanked the chuckling witch, clenched her fist, and pushed through the brambles into darkness. Chapter 5 What are you doing here? I jumped to my feet and whirled around. Gretchen stands a few steps behind me, staring. At least she is in Grandma, or Avery, who watched me at dinner last night like I was puzzled for her to decipher. Avery's hair makes me nervous, unless it's a shampoo advertisement. Her hair should not be that shiny. Hello, Gretchen. Waves her hand in front of my face. Off to Finlay. Oh, hi. Hi, what are you doing out here? Hmm, nothing. Is that a question? My face grows hot. No, I was just looking around. I woke up early. I was afraid of using the wrong fork at breakfast. Gretchen stands beside me on the riverbank. Don't worry about the fork thing. Avery said that's one of the hard family pretensions. It's not something that matters in the real world. The real world? The world outside hard house. She squints at me. Do you know what pretensions mean? A black and white grid flashes before my eyes and I hear Dad's voice mumbling over the Sunday Newark time crossword. Thinking of his voice feels like someone has reached inside me and twisted. Pretension, tenly the word for snobbery, a claim to importance, it can also mean false. It's like when you are snobby about something, I explain, oh okay, yeah, I get that. Gretchen puts her hands on her hips and faces the woods, so you are just out here looking at everything. Yeah, I guess. My mouth feels like a machine that isn't quite working. It's pretty out here. Huh? I never really thought about it. Gretchen plops down onto the river bank. I sit beside her, prepared to run if need be. She did kick me under the table last night after all. I can't believe you came out here by yourself, Gretchen said. You never go out to the woods. Grandma's never forbidden it exactly, but she doesn't like us being out here where she can't really see us. Mostly when we come over, we help her clean the house. That doesn't sound very fun. It's not, but Grandma likes things to look nice. So it's like we all come over and the aunts sit in the kitchen and drink and grandma puts us kids to work. Says all you must learn to respect what you have and people ex- expect us to look a certain way. I giggle. She does a pretty good uh, grandma voice. So what do you like about it? She asks. Our feet swing over the water. Grayson wears red galluses over her pajamas. The woods? Yeah, well, it's complicated. Finley, we're hearts. We share blood. You know? You can tell me. What does that even mean, being a heart? 
it has to be about something more than blood otherwise heart house wouldn't feel like it is the wrong sides for me maybe i should start a new list what it means to be a heart if i can figure that out maybe i'll be able to survive the summer we share blood kind of creepy really i take a deep breath i like it because it's the everwood gretchen frowns what's that like narnia it's a real place i clarify not imaginary and not in another world it's in our world but you can only find it if it wants you to find it i've been writing about it forever since i was 7 and you think this place is is it maybe i say it's it looks like it always has it in my head but even better i had some of it right but i also got a lot of things wrong now i see how it really looks like what well that's the green i point up the hill of the pit toward the right toward the bright green lawn you know for festivals and things and that's the great castle now i point to hart house it sits right at the edge of the everwood guarding against trespassers is there a knight and queen i think for a second no the everwood has never be had a queen or queen it's really old and it's been hidden away for a long time only one who is truly worthy can be a ruler of the everwood and no one has ever been worthy enough what makes a person worthy only the everwood knows that better nods leans back on her elbows so does anyone lives at the castle of course someone has to until the king or queen arrives the two ancient guardians live there all alone that's sad not really it's their solemn duty so how old are you think of the oldest thing you can imagine and that's them their duty is to watch over the everwood and guard its secrets until the rightful ruler is found these words spill out of my mouth as if they have always been there waiting to become themselves i've written dozens of everwood stories but now everything is different now i'm actually here are they the only people who live in the everwood asks gretchen oh no lots of people live there there are witches and barrows these digging creatures with huge mouths like sobbles they live on the ground and you have to be careful where you step because they can reach up and grab you and there are fire breathing salamanders with poison strewn and fairies that will play tricks on you if they decide they don't like you and sometimes there are knights if one gets lost during a quest oh gretchen shouts upright her hand in the air me i want to be knight can i what a knight i'd be a great knight will i get a horse will i fight dragons my thoughts spin out of control what does gretchen mean can she be a knight the everwood is not a game it is not a thing you play at it is a thing that already exists you can't simply become a part of something that doesn't belong to you something you have only just learned about i find myself wishing gretchen had never come out here then she would never have found out about the everwood and it will still be safely mine
Now that she knows, who else might she soon know? And what will they think of me? The Everwood has only ever belonged to me. We understand each other. If I swear, Gretchen to secrecy, will she agree? I wonder if heart, hearts are good at keeping secrets. I'm good at that, but then I don't feel like a real heart. Maybe blood doesn't matter at all. Please, please. Gretchen claps her hands under her chin and pouts. She looks so ridiculous that I burst out laughing. It feels strange and wonderful like jumping out of deep water to breathe. I have not laughed for days. Okay, I say. You can be a knight. Gretchen pumps her fist into the air. But be warned. As a knight, it will be your duty to help the innocent guardians protect the Everwood from evil. What kind of evil? Invaders? Highwaymen? I look around and then whistle, whisper pirates. Gretchen scoops. Please, I could take one, a whole sip of pirate with one hand tied behind my back, without armor even blindfolded. Not even the most valiant heart, good lady, can know every wonder the Everhood holds, both gentle and dangerous. What has come over me? I don't normally talk to people like this. The only time I use my Everwood voice is around mom or dad. And there is only halfway listening anyway. Gretchen jumps to her feet. Okay, so if I'm a knight, what does that make you? I am a pause. Flossing, I'm an orphan. That is who I have always been. In all my stories that used to read to me before I bed every night and we read about a lot of orphans. They were often strange in some way. They had unusual powers or ugly scars or carried terrible secrets inside them. But they always turned out to be heroes in the end. I like that idea of the strange lonely character being the most powerful. Gretchen makes a face. Being an orphan doesn't sound fun at all. It isn't about fun, it's how the story goes. Okay, if you say so, it's a game. It's not a game. The words explode before I can stop them. Gretchen blinks at me and I wonder if she will laugh at me and leave or get mad or think I'm a freak or what. Do I care? Maybe it will be for the best. But Gretchen simply kneels. Forgive me, oh fear orphan child. As a knight, I have awful manners and do not always think before I speak. Warmth rushes through me. Maybe I will start laughing again. Gretchen is not making fun of me or running away. She is staying. She's smiling. She has a decent English accent. Accent. What now? You are forgiven, I declare. After all, I am but a humble orphan child and you are a great knight. Well, not yet, she says in her normal voice. I have to prove myself first. So should we go? Go where? She throws her out her arm toward the woods on the other side of the river, exploring, questing, not sure how we'll cross over though. 
I searched for a moment and then point down the river at a tree trunk sized pipe that stretches across the water. Its ends buried in the river banks. We cross over the first bridge. Well, technically, we're not allowed to go near that pipe. Grandma th- doesn't think it's safe. Gretchen trails off, watching me closely. I hesitate. Breaking Grandma Hart's rules on my second day here doesn't seem like a good idea. But the call of the Everwood is not something I can ignore. And now that Gretchen is beside me, waiting, I don't want her to leave. I think I want her to understand. I certainly don't want her to think I'm afraid of crossing a pipe. Maybe it is important for me to impress Gretchen. If I do, I will have passed some sort of test, and my cousins will accept me. If we explore fast and get back before breakfast, I say slowly, maybe no one will ever know. Gretchen grins, and a knight wouldn't care about breaking rules, we'll say. Not if it was for a noble cause. I mean, let's do it. Gretchen runs towards the pipe. Our gallows is kicking up clouds of mud. For a moment, I imagine Grandma Hart pecking out a window and I freeze with fear. But it's too late. I have a responsibility to accompany Gretchen. No one should enter the Everwood alone. Especially not a knight who thinks you can fight pirates blindfolded. Orphan girl, Gretchen whispers out. Ready to cross the bridge? Hurry up, I need a guide. A guide? Because no one knows that Everwood like I do. Because the Everwood wanted me to find it. I grin and run to catch up. Okay, here is another part where... I think um, she has written about the Everwood, the orphan girl, I guess. Let's read it. One day, the orphan girl was walking through the Everwood alone. When she came upon a lady knight polished her armor, the orphan girl was careful around any stranger. For in the stranger lay the possibility of pain. But the knight greeted her warmly and proposed that they travel together and so they did exploring an area of the everwood that was new to them both the trees stretched into a high world of green neither the orphan girl nor the knight could see the sky above the farther they walked the quieter the wood be- woods became the world took an, an airy feeling as if the air had been disturbed by something malicious and slow moving Something terrible has happened here, whispered the orphan girl. How can you be sure? asked her friend. Can't you feel it? The air is heavy with secrets. Then the orphan girl saw a shape in the shadows beneath a thin white tree. The shape gave off a quivering power, weak but once strong. Be careful, said the knight. I don't know this part of the forest. Perhaps we should turn around. But the orphan girl was too curious. She reached into the briars and pulled out a fine bridle laced with gold. It hummed with power, rattling her teeth and leaving her breathless. Put it away, urged the knight. 
There is something evil about this place. I cannot, said the orphan girl. I must find to whom it belongs. She tucked the bridle into her face back. Not long after this, they found another object half buried in the dot, a boot. Mused the orphan girl, a fine one, added the knight. The leather is like velvet. Teach a shame to misplace something so valuable, the orphan girl observed. Misplaced perhaps, or stolen, or worse. The orphan girl shivered at her friend's dark words. The boot's power was even stronger than the bridle's, making her bones act as if with fever. Do you think it has been inspired by a witch? Whispered the knight, enchanted by a fairy. It has certainly known pain, said the orphan girl soberly. For when I touch it, I feel it too. She tucked the boot into a pouch on her back, deeper in the everwood where the light was as dim as evening. A wave of power washed over the orphan girl and her knight. They staggered, gasping. The orphan girl caught a glint of metal, a dagger. She said, lifting the weapon from the tangled forest floor. It is a fine blade, said the knight. But what has happened to it? I feel ill to look at it. Something cruel, concluded the orphan girl. Something that left much pain behind. Wait a moment, look. The orphan girl raised her head and saw a strange light sifting through the everwood leaves. Following it, she emerged into a grey field. Few trees stood her and snowbirds sang. In the middle of the field stood a small castle of crumbling stone. Wind whistled through the dry grass, and a torn flag hung from a crooked tower. It is a wasteland," whispered the orphan girl, for she could think of no other way to describe it. Determined to explore, the orphan girl wrapped the dragon in cloth and tucked it into her pack with the boot and the bridle. No sooner had she done this than three figures stumbled out of the castle door. Their laughter was high and sharp, their voices vicious. They wore filthy rags tied around the heads, and their coats were black with mud. The lady knight unsated her sword. Who are they? asked the orphan girl. Rotters, shouted the lady knight. Come, my brave friend, we cannot let them catch us. You will run from a fight," asked the orphan girl. For answer, the knight raced back into the trees, away from the castle and its grey field. And the orphan girl had no choice but to follow. Thank you guys for being with me. I really appreciate that. I hope you enjoyed chapter four, and soon I'll be posting and publishing chapter six. So this is chapter four and chapter five. I'll be continuing chapter six in the coming days. Thank you, and it's some kind of happiness by Clearly Grand. Enjoy your time, guys.